Welcome to UK Rail Journeys, Series 1. In this series, I travel to North West Wales with the Steam Dreams Rail Company on their Welsh Dragon Tour. Episode 4, where we pick up passengers in Reading and continue our journey on to Wantage Road. We pass through the Sonning Cutting. The GWR originally planned a route around the north of Sonning Hill past the village. There were local objections, so the railway bypassed the village in a cutting over a mile long and up to 60 feet deep, resulting in a more direct route between Twyford and Reading. The cutting was hand-dug. There was no machinery in those days, and the spoil removed in wheelbarrows and horse-drawn carts. It took two years to complete. The line was opened on the 30th of March, 1840. Early on the 24th of December, 1841, a mixed goods and passenger train ran into a landslide in the cutting. This had been caused by earlier persistent heavy rain. In those days, passengers travelled in open-topped wagons and many were thrown out or crushed between the wagons. Eight people died there, and 17, one of whom died later, were seriously injured. Among the casualties were artisans returning home after working on the new Parliament building. The accident stimulated the President of the Board of Trade, one W.E. Gladstone, to introduce legislation to improve safety on the railways. Looking out of the window, it's still grey this morning, but it's been a wonderful year for the Budlier growing along the side of the tracks. I've also noticed in other parts wonderful blackberries. After passing over the River Kennet, we approach Reading Station. We see the tracks shared by the South Western Railway's Waterloo to Reading route and the Great Western Railway's North Downs route to Gatwick Airport. Both these services terminate at Reading. We come to a halt outside Reading Station. In total, we spend five minutes before our platform becomes available. Reading, 36 miles from Paddington, is our first official stop. We're picking up passengers here. Hopefully the passengers are ready, as we only have a few minutes for the stop. The passengers have now boarded and we're ready to leave Reading Station. But we have to wait for the signal to change from red to green. The station is a major transport hub sited on the northern edge of the town. It's the ninth busiest station and the second busiest interchange station outside of London, with over 3.8 million passengers changing trains at the station each year. The station is run by Network Rail and is used by four train operating companies, Great Western Railway, Cross Country, TfL Rail and South Western Railway. 
Destinations include Bournemouth, Bristol, Cardiff, Gatwick Airport, Manchester, Newcastle, Oxford, Penzance, Plymouth, Southampton, Swansea and Taunton. In addition, of course, to Paddington and Waterloo in London. And today, for our train, Shrewsbury. The first Reading station was opened on the 30th of March 1840 as the temporary western terminus of the Great Western Railway. The time taken to travel from London to Reading was reduced to one hour and five minutes, less than a quarter of the time taken by the fastest stagecoach. That's about the same time as we've taken. That's progress. However, today's fast trains do the journey in half that time, the line reached Bristol its intended terminus in 1841. In 1844, the Great Western Hotel opened, one of the oldest surviving railway hotels in the world. Further routes opened from the station with the line from Reading to Newbury and Hungerford in 1847 and to Basingstoke in 1848. Between 1865 and 1867, a station building constructed of buff bricks from Colebrookdale with bath stone dressings, a tower and a clock was built. Originally named Reading, it was renamed Reading General on the 26th of September 1949 to distinguish it from the neighbouring ex-Southeastern Railway Station. Two stations side by side meant that the town's buses showed the destination as stations. By 2007, the station had become a major bottleneck on the rail network. Passenger trains often needed to wait outside the station for a platform to become available. This was caused by the limited number of through platforms, flat junctions immediately east and west of the station, and the need for north-south trains to reverse direction in the station. So changes were made. Five new platforms, a flyover to the west of the station to allow fast trains to cross over the lines to Reading West, and a section of track beneath the flyover to provide a connection between Reading West and the relief lines. These improvements have allowed for at least four extra trains in each direction every hour. The cost of the project was 897 million and was completed a year earlier than expected and the rebuilt station was reopened by Queen Elizabeth II on the 17th of July 2014. There have been a number of incidents at the station over the years, the first in March 1840. This was before the station was even completed and was the result of extreme weather. 24-year-old Henry West, working on the station roof, when a freak gust, described at the time as a tornado, lifted a section of the roof carrying it and West around 200 feet. Sadly, West was killed and there is a brass plaque on the wall of the main station building commemorating the event. Years later, T. E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, lost the 250,000 word first draft of his Seven Pillars of Wisdom at the station when he left his briefcase whilst changing trains in 1919. Working from memory, as he destroyed his notes after the completion of the first draft, he completed a 400,000-word second draft in three months.
We'd soon reach Tilehurst. The station is 38 miles 52 chains from Paddington and opened in 1882. It's served by local services operated by the Great Western Railway and in 2019-20 was used by 572,000 passengers. The railway at Talhurst was mentioned in less than glowing terms by Jerome K. Jerome in Chapter 16 of Three Men in a Boat. The river becomes very lovely from a little above Reading. The railway rather spoils it near Talhurst, but from Maple Durham up to Streetley it is glorious. Another three miles brings us to Pangbourne Railway Station, opened on the 1st of June 1840, along with this section of the line. The station is used by GWR local services between Paddington and Didcot. In 2019-20, the station was used by 482,000 passengers. Goring and Streetley Station, 44 miles and 60 chains from Paddington. It opened on the 1st of June 1840. Originally it was named Goring, but it was renamed to Goring and Streetley on the 9th of November 1895 to prevent confusion with Goring by sea. It was used by 437,000 passengers for the local services from the station in 2019-20. Soon we're crossing the Thames on the Molesford Railway Bridge, known locally as Four Arches. This is a pair of parallel bridges carrying the Great Western Main Line. The first of the two bridges, designed by Isambard Kingdom Brunel, was built between 1838 and 1840. It was built to carry a pair of broadgate tracks across the Thames and consists of four low semi-elliptical arches at a skewed angle of 60 degrees. During the 1890s, a second bridge was built immediately parallel to the original structure, allowing a four-track configuration. The bridge is listed as a Grade II structure. As we travel towards Cholsey, we pass the site of the old Molesford station. Opened on the 1st of June 1840 as Wallingford Road, it was renamed as Molesford on the 2nd of July 1866 and closed on the 29th of February 1892. Chelsea Station, previously Chelsea and Molesford, is 48 miles and 37 chains from Paddington. It's served by local services to Didcot, Oxford, Reading and London. It opened on the 29th of February 1892, the date that Molesford closed. It was used by 284,000 passengers in 2019-20. It's also the junction for the Heritage Railway services on the Chelsea and Wallingford Railway. This used to be part of the National Rail System. 
but closed to passengers in 1959 and freight in 1981. The station has five platforms and platform five is only used for the Heritage Railway. Didcot Parkway is our next station. It opened as Didcot on the 12th of June 1844 and was renamed Didcot Parkway on the 29th of July 1985 by British Rail as it is a park and ride station. We are now 53 miles 10 chains from Paddington. Trains from Reading to Didcot and Oxford and mainline services from Paddington, the southwest of England and South Wales, use this station. Just to the north of the station is the Didcot Railway Centre, which is a comprehensive exhibition of original Great Western Railway rolling stock with demonstration running tracks and a reconstructed station named Didcot Holt. On the 7th of December 1964, local passenger services between Didcot and Swindon were withdrawn and the stations at Steventon, Wantage Road, Shallow, Uffington, Shrivenham and Stratton Park were closed. In 1985, a new main building for the station was built, along with a new 600-space car park for the park-and-ride use. Didcot is a major junction for services to Oxford, Birmingham New Street and further north. These leave the Great Western Main Line here. There is no local service west of Didcot, Fast trains to and from the Oxford line can avoid the station using the Didcot East curve. Over 3.3 million passengers used the station in 2019-20 and nearly 600,000 changed trains here. On leaving Didcot we passed the power station and the Air Products Industrial Gases plant, originally built because of its proximity to the power station. Our journey now takes us past a number of closed railway stations. The first of these is Steventon. For the first four years after opening, stagecoaches took passengers between Steventon and Oxford until a line opened from Didcot. Until March 1962, mail trains from the west continued to call here rather than Didcot to drop off the mail for Oxford. The station was demolished soon after closure and nothing remains except for a house. This house was used briefly as the company headquarters of the Great Western Railway, on the upside of the station. In October 1841, the board merged the London and Bristol committees, and Steverton was chosen as a suitable new location, as it was about halfway between Paddington and Bristol. Weekly board meetings were held at Steverton from the 21st of July 1842, until the 5th of January 1853, when the permanent headquarters was established at Paddington. In 1966, a Brunel-designed building at Steventon Station, described as an imposing stone-built residence, comprising three reception, four bedrooms, etc., was placed on sale, and offers in the region of £4,750 were invited. 
Next Wantage Road station opened in 1846, six years after the section of the Great Western Main Line that served it. In 1873, the independent Wantage Tramway was formed linking Wantage Road station with Mill Street in Wantage. Whilst the station buildings have been demolished, the platforms survive. In 2009, the Association of Train Operating Companies report called Connecting Communities suggested that Wantage Road Station would be a viable station to reopen during any expansion of the rail network. This podcast has been produced by the Mr T Podcast Studio. I thank the passengers and the teams from Steam Dreams and West Coast Railways for making this podcast possible. Join me in a couple of weeks for the next episode. And thank you very much for listening.